Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You who are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, When was it we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that as we listen to the words I have prepared today, that not my words, but your words would be heard so that we all may learn something from this moment. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Being completely honest, I'm not a big fan of the language of Christ as king. 
Something about King just throws me off a little bit. And Christ the King Sunday was always a bit of a struggle for me, even though it's often thought of as an associate pastor Sunday. It's that Sunday, you know, just after a big holiday, maybe there's a little bit less people, maybe somebody's been traveling. It's just one of those things that comes with the job. So it's a Sunday I plan to be preaching at a whole lot. But this comes with a lot of hymns, with king language, something I tend to avoid. And even the other name of this Sunday that has begun to sort of show up, Reign of Christ Sunday, doesn't quite get us out from under that monarchic ruler kind of idea. And I think that the thing is, when I think of a king, I think of human kings and all the downsides that come with them. The fact that they are a ruler who really gets to say what they want and do what they want without really any repercussions. And the only reason that they're king often is either they were strong enough to beat the last king or they were born into the right family. And I mean, as an American, we probably don't like kings very much either. In fact, we fought a war a while back to say no to the British king as our ruler. And instead, when we created our own government, created a democracy. Even God isn't the biggest fan of kings. When the people of Israel first ask for a king, the prophet tells them, God isn't sure you really want that. A king will send your sons off to war. A king will tax you heavily. In essence, a king will oppress you. But all around Israel, there were kings, and they wanted one, and so they got one in Saul. And if you read the whole story of kings and chronicles, you will just see kind of the fallout from that move from a society where God ruled to a society where there was a king in power. But that's not the king that we see here in Matthew as Jesus talks about taking the throne. Here we see a king that judges his subjects, not by what they can contribute in the taxes, how well they could fight in any wars, what they can make for their castle or build up for them. No, here we see a king that prioritizes the poor and how his people treat one another. He asks not what they can do, but rather what they have done for everybody else around them. And that is how this king judges them. This king goes even further than just judging the people by that, but saying that he, in fact, is one of those people being served. This is a king that not only expects you to care for those around you, but also identifies with the sufferings and the struggles and the needs of the least of these. And when we read what this passage is really asking of us to do, feed the hungry, uh, give water to the thirsty, give clothing to the naked, welcome the stranger, visit the sick, and visit those in prison. It sounds like a lot of things to do, but in fact, or sorry, it may sound like that's a lot. And I think a lot of us may feel like, especially as we hear the condemnation of the goats, that we missed our shot. The goats are said, told that they didn't do it to one of the least of these. And I know for a fact that I haven't given money or food to everybody that asked for it on the streets. I, in fact, probably said no to someone in the last week as I went into stores or walked through downtown. But 
The thing that's easy to miss in this passage is the fact that it doesn't say you always fed the poor or you always didn't feed the poor, rather just that you did it. I think it's important to note that this passage isn't saying you are judged based off of every single interaction, but rather every single single interaction we have with one of the least of these is yet a new chance to serve our God. In the Bible, of course, Jesus tells the disciples in a time where he's telling them not to be as concerned <laughs> that he will not always be with them, but the poor will always be around. That means that we have infinite chances to serve our God, infinite opportunities to make good on this sheep versus goats analogy as we go about our days, we will never run out of people to serve, which on one hand is sad that there will always be poverty to fight, but on the other hand means that we have opportunities to continue to do good work even after we have made mistake after mistake after mistake. And these asks in this passage specifically aren't difficult things to do. Feeding the hungry just requires that we have food or some way to give them food. Giving them water just requires water. These aren't difficult. I think that these don't have any real ability that keeps you from doing it or anything like that. These simply require us to do more preparation. Again, looking to my own life, I don't carry cash. That's just not a thing that I need in my day-to-day But after reading this passage, I do wonder if maybe I should budget some small amount a week to have to make sure I have something for the next person who asks me. I think about putting bottles of water in the back of my car for those who may ask for water. I think about next time I'm in Mayer or in Walmart, maybe I should buy an extra hat or an extra pair of gloves so that the next person who comes to me cold, I have something to give them. I've visited people who are sick, and that requires that I reach out and know when y'all are feeling well or when y'all are not feeling well. And you can also call us and let us know, and we'll come visit you. But uh, it also, but the one that I think is the hardest for me, and the one I realize I have absolutely never done, is visiting someone in prison. And we have a ministry on our yellow sheet that I've read before, Jesus is the Way Prison Ministry. I wonder about reaching out to them, and I think that maybe that's some preparation I have to do. All of these things are easy, but they all take some preparation. If you're not comfortable with giving out cash to folks, maybe have granola bars in your car or buy gift cards. I know that for a while it was very easy for people to give Subway gift cards or something like that to folks. There may be better restaurants for this area. It really depends on where you live, what restaurants work best for this kind of thing. But being prepared for the next time Jesus shows up and asks me for something I think is something important for us all to think about. Another thing mentioned to me is that this doesn't just require our physical preparedness, but also our emotional and mental preparedness. Walking out of the house with a really, really sour mood probably doesn't leave me in a place where I'm ready to be generous and I'm ready to share kindness. Although this passage doesn't talk about, I was sad and you brought me smiles, I think that that is legitimately something we could add on. Bringing joy to people is something that we are called to do, and that means taking stock of how we feel emotionally in the mornings or whenever we're going out and trying to better understand how we might feel better and how we might 
not spread negativeness that we are feeling to others who don't deserve it, and how we can spread positiveness. Another very noticeable thing in this passage is that it doesn't make a distinction between what people might call the deserving poor and the undeserving poor. Those that we might feel like have made those kinds of decisions that have ended them up in this place and those who are there through no fault of their own, this passage doesn't ask us about that. Jesus doesn't tell us, I identify with the person who was laid off, but not with the person who was fired. Jesus identifies with every single person in these situations. It's notable that prison is in here. There are innocent people in prison. It happens. But there are also many people who aren't innocent in prison. This passage doesn't give us the space to say no to certain people and yes to others. It simply tells us to say yes and to do this work. Jesus identifies with all of them, which brings me back to wondering again about what Christ as king looks like. That thing I asked our children earlier, Christ as king looks like someone who cares that all of these people, regardless of circumstance, have their needs met. All of these people have a human being who has welcomed them in or said hi to them or given them a smile. All of these people, even those in prison through doing crimes, are cared for and loved and made to be known that they are cared for. And every single one of these people is someone Christ says is like him, which means our king also knows the suffering of all these people. We have a king that not only requires us to care for everyone, but experiences the suffering that we have all experienced. We have a ruler over us who calls us to see him within every single person around us, who identifies with not only our sufferings, but the sufferings of the people who have it worse than us, and also the sufferings of the people who have it better than us. He calls us into service, not with questions about whether, about who we should serve, but rather with serving the entire world, making this place more just and less painful for us all to live in, just less suffering overall. That is the world that Jesus wants to rule, and that is the one that Jesus in this passage is calling upon us to create. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.